Oh, here he goes. All right, I'll sit back down. <laughs> disciples of stealing Jesus' body and faking the resurrection. They themselves have Imagine what it would have been like for the 11 disciples left after Jesus ascended back to heaven. Persecution is increasing moment by moment. People are accusing those very disciples of stealing Jesus' body and faking the resurrection. They themselves have seen him, but can only speak of what they've seen, and others aren't believing them. They're desperate for God to guide them as to what to do next and give them the power to do it. Jesus himself told them to go into a room back in Jerusalem and wait on him to provide the Holy Spirit that would change everything. And so they did. Tradition tells us that for 10 days they were in Jerusalem waiting on the gift of the Spirit. And as they waited, it's interesting what the scriptures tell us that with one accord, these disciples devoted themselves to prayer. We flip ahead 2,000 years and realize that we at AIC should be an awful lot like that apostolic church. We, as our core values state, should depend on God in prayer at every moment of every day. The scriptures time and again tell us to pray out for all things on all occasions in all circumstances. So we're going to spend some time in a few weeks doing just that. Crying out to God for wisdom, seeking Him for direction, praising Him and worshiping Him for who He is, and bringing glory to His name for what He is doing all over the world through our brothers and sisters, the fellow saints with us, many of whom are suffering for the very name that we worship. On June 6th and 7th, you're invited to join us at AIC for 24 hours of committing ourselves to depending on God in prayer. Starting on Saturday evening, June 6th, we'll invite you to sign up for a time slot to commit to praying for the church, the global church, and asking God to work and raise up his disciples all over the world, that all the world may hear of Jesus, that the end may come. Then, Sunday morning before church, gather together kids, adults, and everyone to seek the face of God together in prayer, relying on Him to fill us with His Holy Spirit like never before, asking Him to rush through our place like a mighty rushing wind, but being still enough to hear His still small voice. Then on Sunday night, we're going to do something new this year. For two hours, adults are invited to a time of seeking God's word together of what he teaches about praying to the Father in the name of the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. How do we practice that sort of prayer that allows us to confidently seek, our, seek the Lord with all our heart, knowing that he answers our requests according to his perfect will and for the glory of God the Father? So would you join us in partnering not just for one 24-hour period, but every moment of our lives depending on the Lord in prayer as a body of believers crying out, Our Father, 
who is in heaven. Just before Keith comes up, um, just a, uh, to let you know uh, that there's an insert in your bulletin which has more information about this special weekend of prayer that we'll be doing June 6th and 7th. And uh, just to clarify, we won't be uh, physically present here at the school for 24 hours, um, so we're not asking you to stay all night here. Um, but wherever you are in Hong Kong, we're going to ask for you to sign up for a, a time slot for you and maybe even your family uh, to pray together. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. And uh, Pastor Mike is currently serving in China this weekend. That's why he's not here with us. So uh, Keith, one of our under-shepherds, is going to give us the message today. Uh, once again, good morning. It was a couple weeks ago that Pastor Mike came to me and asked me if I would be willing to, to speak and share on a Sunday morning. And after the lump in my throat kind of went down for a minute, I said, uh, uh, okay, I I'm willing to take that opportunity if you would uh, provide it for me. So this morning, I wanted to take this thing, uh, take a moment to share with you what I believe God has laid on my heart. And you can see a little bit of it right there at the beginning. I like to call it the gift of opportunity. But before I get into that, I just want to ask you a quick and easy question. How many of you in this room have ever received a gift? Okay, I hope it's about 100% of you. If you haven't received a gift at some point in your life, I'm kind of wondering why <laughs> you might not have received a gift. But we like to receive gifts, don't we? Why? Because it's a gift. <laughs> and we all enjoy the opportunity of, of, of receiving gifts. Now, before I go into what I have to talk to you about, the gift to have, brothers and sisters, if you're in this room today, is the gift of salvation. And I pray that if today you don't yet know who Christ is as your Lord and Savior, that you would very shortly. And you can come talk to any of the leaders, under-shepherds, Pastor Mike, Pastor Dan, and ask us more questions if you need to do that. But this morning, I wanna, since I talked about the gift of receiving a gift, the gift of opportunity. Now, if you were to look that up in your Bible or try to look that up in your Bible, you would not find the gift of opportunity listed in there under the other gifts that you would see that Scripture gives us. It's just not in there. But you saw a little bit what Victor shared this morning. I like to say that God gives us the gift of opportunity at different points in our lives, in our walk, and the opportunity that we have to serve him as his followers. And I want to take a few minutes to share with you how that gift has looked in my life and Linda's life. And, and I realize in, in what I'm going to share with you, some of you don't know our background very well, and this is going to kind of shed some light on that. So I want to take a minute to share with you that. To do that, I need to roll the clock back to 2004, I mean 2005, 2006, a long time ago. At that point, Linda and I were living in Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States, going about our daily walk, our daily lives, two full-time jobs at that particular time in our lives. I was working at a new job that I had just gotten, and Linda had, had changed employers and was now, is now was working with the employer that she currently has. We were working opposite days off, opposite schedules. Our lives were quite hectic at that point, and we were just going through the routine of an American couple. Our son was 20, early 20s at that point. So uh, we didn't need, he was, had his own things going. So it was an opportunity for a change in our lives, and God knew that. And he started to put on my heart very definitely through quiet times, I have something for you to do. 
And then I would just, okay, what? And he wouldn't say anything further than that. And this went on and on and on again. Many times God would say, I have something for you to do. And I went, okay, what? <laughs> what? And he goes, and it would just stop right there. And he wouldn't give me any more information than that. A, a year, a year and a half of that, God constantly going, Keith, I have something for you to do. And it got to the point where he said, in missions. And I went, okay, missions. Good. Where? What? How? God says, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Hold that thought. At that same time that God was working on my heart, and believe me, I needed it. God knows our hearts, and I needed a lot of work, a lot of chiseling, a lot of him telling me that. I have something for you to do so I could get ready for that, what it was. At that time, Linda was changed employers and went with her current employer, and she had an opportunity to take a trip. They asked her to come in. We have a new opportunity in Asia that we would like you to go take some time and do for about three or four weeks. And if you know my wife, she would be all over that, be excited about the opportunity. There would be no holding her back. She said, yes, I would love to go, but she had to get it by me, of course. And uh, she says, um, they're asking me if I'd like to go to Singapore for three or four weeks to do a, set up a regional office. Oh, really? Okay, that sounds like a good opportunity. Just three or four weeks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, just three or four weeks. I'll, I'll go and I'll come back. Okay, worked out great for us. That, that was a good opportunity. She goes, she does three or four weeks, comes back. Not long after she was back, they said, uh, we'd like you to go back again to start the second phase of what you did the first time. We want you to go back and do another three or four weeks. She had to come back and ask me one more time. I need to go back to Singapore again for three or four more weeks. What do you think of that? Really? You didn't get done? No, we got to go back. We got to go back. She goes back. She does another three or four weeks. As she's taking these trips, I could see in her an excitement about the opportunity of being in Singapore. It was, she was just all the stories coming back of we did this, we did this, we did this, we did that. I had a great opportunity. Loved every minute of it. So she was kind of had a little bit of a foot in the door. I would say, that God gave her a little bit of a head start. He needed me to take a little bit longer to get warm and get ready for the idea of that. Her, right after she comes back from the second trip, her boss calls her in the office and goes, well, how would you like to move to Singapore and take a full-time job there doing just what you were doing? She said, I don't know, I think my husband is even going to think about a yes for that. There is no way he's going to say yes. No way at all. She gets that information. She, we sit down one evening. She goes, i got to tell you something. Okay. They asked me if I'd be willing to take a two-year, a two-year only assignment in Singapore. I said, that's it. That is it. It was like God just dropped the veil right at that minute, and I said, that's it. That's it. We're supposed to go to Singapore. How? I don't know why. It was a, you're supposed to go, and I don't know why. We're just supposed to go. And she was amazed that I said yes to that with no 
no arguing, no back and forth, no what abouts. It was, yeah, we're supposed to go. Completely blew her away. So we start the process of going to Singapore. They start do all the paperwork. You do, I guess, when you move with a certain company out of your country, it takes a while to go through all the red tape. Well, it took a little while for all the red tape to go through. They finally said, she wasn't sure she was going to get the job. I was. She said, they're not going to give me the job. And I'm going, oh, yes, they are. You've got the job. Okay. So she started to believe that I knew for sure that we were going to go. We get the word, okay, everything's been approved. We need you to get ready to go to Singapore. This was in February 2006. Okay, when do you want us there? Three weeks. Three weeks to basically shut down our lives in the U.S., pack, decide what to do with everything, me to quit my job, and to move to Singapore. And I didn't know why. <laughs> she did. I mean, her, she had a job to go to, but I knew over all that time that God was working on my heart that I was, he had things for me to do as well. It wasn't as simple as her going for a job and me just hanging out in Singapore for two years. Remember, this was two years. I only agreed because it was for two years. Yeah. And I believe it right then. God was going, uh-huh, two years. Yeah, you keep thinking that. Two years. can be a little longer than two years. Good thing I didn't know that. That's one of those things where if you know everything that God might have planned for you, you might start going, I don't think I want to do that. So God gives us as much as we're able to take. We arrive in Singapore. We go through all the emotion of saying goodbye, making all the things that we got to do. We're, and I'm starting to realize on the plane to Singapore that I know three things about Singapore. That's it. Period. I know that God says we're supposed to go. I know they spoke English. And I know it was hot there all the time. That's it. That is absolutely all I knew. And that we were supposed to be there, like I said. So I think God and has a sense of humor, for sure. He put us, if you're familiar with Singapore, on Orchard Road in Singapore. Orchard Road. If I would have had a choice in that, I would not have picked Orchard Road, if you're familiar with that spot. But I think God says, okay, I'm going to put you right there. We go, we, we get settled into the hotel, she goes to work, and it's my turn to go out and learn Singapore. Yeah. We lived in a very rural area in Georgia. This was all very, very new to me. First day I get a chance to walk out, I walk out of the door of the hotel, stop, 10 feet out, and it's just people. It was like I was watching a tennis match. And it was like, I said, there's got to be a train that just let out. There's got to be a bus that just let out. There has to be some reason that there's this many people going in all directions. So I said, okay, I'll wait it out about 10, 15 minutes. It'll stop. <laughs> I stood there, and it didn't get any better. It was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. And I actually turned around and walked back into the hotel, waited for her to get home, and said, I don't think I can do this. And those are the words out of my mouth when she came back. I said, I, I, this is just crazy. There's people everywhere. Even while I was down there, I thought I was going to stop one of them and go, where are you all going? 
what is the deal? Where, are you, where could you possibly be going? And it, it was so new to me. But I know God was probably laughing a little bit at my response to that. And the next day it was go out a little farther than the edge of the hotel and take my chance in getting into the middle of Singapore. I get out. I go, okay. I get up to the edge, get caught in the traffic, <laughs> start walking down. I said, okay, I'm going to try and get on the MRT. I think, believe there, it's the MRT. Here, it's the MTR. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a new experience for me. Up until that point, I had never used public transportation. I get in the, the traffic line, I get to the first MTR hole, and I stop. I look down in there and go, yeah, there's thousands of people going in there, but they're not coming back out. <laughs> and I said, I knew if I went down in there, there was a maze of tunnels, and I might get stuck down there for hours and never come back out. So I was leery about it. But like I said, up until that point, the closest I had come to taking public transportation would be taking the rent-a-car bus from the airport over to the rent-a-cars. That was it. Never been in a taxi, never taken a bus, and never been on a train. At all. Ever. And I know that seems hard to believe, but God had to break me in a little bit, knowing all along that I was supposed to be there, that, that what he had for us was to be there. So that was my first few days of Singapore, plus the heat of getting used to that. But God, in his gracious mercy, moved us into a church that he knew we needed to be a part of. Some of you know by the name of it, International Baptist Church in Singapore. Maybe you've, some of you are familiar with that name. The second we walked into that church, it was like we were supposed to be here. It was a very evident. We ran to some really great brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, other expats even, other Singaporeans, the whole, and it was a whole new eye-opening experience for us, uh, me especially. I get plugged in as soon as, uh, in a very early first few months that we were there. I heard about missions trip opportunities. That was, I said, Lord, so you're supposed to go on some missions trips while you're here. The one that came out that forever, I mean, has been in my heart ever since then was the very first trip that I took in Asia. Now, I had been on missions trips before back in the U.S. to various uh, spots there, but never to Asia. So it was a whole new thing. In fact, I had always dreamed about the opportunity of one day going into China and being able to be a missionary there and how would that look like. What would that possibly be? So I get that opportunity. God says, I'm going to give you that opportunity. You're going to get to go into China. We had a Bible distribution that they were doing. There were five of us guys that went, five guys, four days, over, a little over 5,000 Bibles that we were supposed to hand out. Looking forward to every moment of that trip. I was excited and pumped, prayed over it, and we went on this trip. The very first day that we're on this trip, <clears throat> we're coming up to the very first stop. We had drove for hours. I mean, whenever you move around in China, I didn't know that. It takes forever to get anywhere. <laughs> so we drove for many hours. We're on our way to the very first church to distribute about 1,500 Bibles. The leader from the Chinese church is, is talking to the translator next and go, ha, ha, ha. Okay, they turn around and go, okay, we're about there in 20 minutes. We need one of you to give about a five-minute personal testimony. There's five guys back there. What are five guys going to do when they hear a question like that? <laughs> you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. 
It worked out. And then and they said, oh, by the way, we have all these stops to make. So each one of you is going to get an opportunity to do a three or five minute testimony through the rest of the week. So we all went, okay, that'll be fine. And I was the first one to do it. And it just blew me away to be able to have that opportunity. First time I'd ever done that, stood in front of roughly 1,000 mainland Chinese and give a personal testimony through a translator. It just was an opportunity that just blew me away. And I'm forever thankful for that. Then we were to distribute the Bibles. And I was really looking forward to this part of the trip. So we, we work it all out. It's all coordinated where they line up 1,500 Bibles and we're able, we, you know, we bow, we give each one a Bible. And then I started to notice they were forming a line again. They got a Bible and they turned around and got back in line. And I'm going, they already got a Bible. Why are they back in line again? And the translator came over and goes, well, the reason they're getting back in line again is they want you to autograph the Bible. <laughs> and I went, no, no, wait a minute now. That's just not right. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, I'm not signing the Bible. No way. We all went, no, no, we're not going to do that. And they said, it's okay. It's okay. They, they really just want to see your signature. It was all about that. I mean, I mean, it took me a while to get over that. I had the EBGBs just, you don't autograph the Bible. You don't, don't sign it at all. I just didn't want to do that. And they said, it's okay. It's all right. So we're signing 1,500 Bibles <laughs> for hours after that. So. But that was a unique trip. That was another thing that God gave us an opportunity to be blessed, me especially, in doing something like that. And, I, and I'm very grateful for that. There were many other opportunities that God gave us in Singapore. And, and I'm not going to take the time to share all those with you this morning, but time and time and time again. That question that I had before we ever left of what, am I, what do you want me to do, Lord, was beginning to start to fill in those blanks. And it was able to serve in so many different ways there while we were in Singapore. We're nearing that two-year mark pretty close. It's about time to go home. Uh-huh. Right before the two-year time comes up, she gets another offer. Boeing says, you're doing such a great job in Singapore. How would you like to move to Hong Kong and take that over or start a new position there? And then I wasn't quite as ready to go yes at that point. It was like, Hong Kong? Hong Kong? Really? God, you said just two years. And I went, okay, let's pray about it. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. And we really believed, yes, we were supposed to come to Hong Kong. That, and that was hard for us to tell our friends and family back home. Yes, we are extending our stay. But we said, it's just another two years that will be in Hong Kong, just, just two more years. It, it, it'll go by quick. And like I said, this started in 2006, and we're in 2015. <laughs> uh, had God ever whispered in my ear that, I have something for you to do, and you'll be there for that long, I'd have went, no. No way, Lord. I'm, I, I couldn't do that. I was, I'm, I'm not able to. I... And God says, yes, you are. You are. And he had time and time and time again where we were able to serve and I was able to serve. After we come here to Hong Kong, 
it wasn't so much of a scary experience, the crowds, the public transportation, and things like that. Uh, but he did stick us on the island. So and that's, and that was unique, and up on Old Peak Road. So we were up there, we're getting settled, and the first place that we lived here in Hong Kong. And we finally found Alliance International Church right here, our church home. And we believed the second we were here that we were supposed to, this was our church home. But during our time and travels over to here, we had to take a shuttle bus from our place down the hill to come across over to the island. And the first couple of weeks that we started making this trek, we're on our shuttle bus. And we noticed that in our shuttle bus was just a bunch of the Filipino helpers from that building just having a great time on a Sunday morning just talking and having a great time. They were as excited as they could be about everything that was going on. That was Sunday morning. It was great. Linda notices this, and then we kind of get the, she got the guts up to stand up in the shuttle bus on a particular Sunday morning and go, all right, are you ladies all going to church? And they went, yes, Mom. Yes, we're going to church. We're going to church. Where are you going to church? So we started a dialogue, excuse me, with these ladies, these helpers, and I think it was like two weeks after we started that introduction that one of them, <laughs> bless her heart, she stands up in the back of a shuttle bus and goes, and we need a place to have a Bible study, looking right at us. <laughs> the gift of opportunity. What do we do with that? It was, it was an opportunity to go, we could have just said, there's no way in the world we're going to even entertain that idea. We said, okay, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. We'll get back with you in a week or two. And we prayed about it. And we realized that this was an opportunity yet again that we could not let pass by. But she had to be the leader of it since it was all the helpers. And it was great. They came back the next week and we said, okay, this is the plan. We'll meet in our place every other Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30. This same lady goes, no, no, no. Every Wednesday... And from 8.30, from 9.30, from 8.30 to 10.30. And we went, no, that's not going to work. Yes, every Wednesday from 8.30 to 10.30. Okay. We said, okay, we'll do that. We'll open our home. We'll have you over. And this was a unique opportunity that we definitely had. So from that point on, for almost two years, we had the helpers in our apartment every Wednesday night. Linda got the lead at, and we had a wonderful time getting to know these ladies. Anywhere from 5 to 25 were in our place. What a blessing. If I brought <clears throat> Linda up here to talk about it, she might not get through it. But it was, another, it was an opportunity, one more time an opportunity to, to be used by God in a way that we never expected, never planned. And that's how opportunity sometimes comes up for us. And I, have other I would have other stories to share with you. One more that I'll share real quickly is the opportunity just last year that Pastor Mike and I had when we went to India. India was never a place, and I would have known if God would have said, oh, by the way, you'll go to India as well. I went, okay, why? And God opened up opportunity for us to go there. Mike and I went there last year to talk with, uh, to see opportunities for missions there. And as we went, one of the places they took us was a, a church that was out in the middle of really of nowhere, way outside of Calcutta. And it was a church dedication that they invited us to be a part of. So we said, this is going to be a great opportunity. So we, went, we go. About a four-hour drive and 100-degree temperatures for us to get out there to look at this church and spend some time there with these other Indian brothers and sisters. 
We get there, we go, we find this church building that we go into. It wasn't a whole lot bigger than the very front of this auditorium. Empty, concrete building. My first question I ask is, how come there's no chairs in there? Well, we don't put any chairs in there for a reason. Okay, why, why, why would that be? Well, we could get, can we get more people in there if we don't put any chairs in there? If we put chairs in there, we could get 30 to 50 in that room. Probably as big as this section that you guys are sitting in right here. Probably maybe even not quite that whole size. We get in there, Pastor Mike and I, we get in first. There must have been at the end when we looked around probably 250 to 300 smashed into that room. They gave us some chairs to sit in, but they were packed in as tight as could be sitting on the floor. And I just looked at that, and my thought was packed and praising. We were there for probably an hour and a half, and that heat, no air conditioning was in there. Maybe that's part of the reason, you know, even Mike got a little bit ill. But it was an opportunity for, once again, for my eyes to be opened, a different part of the world that these brothers and sisters there in India were delighted as they could be to be sitting in that brand-new building on a concrete floor with no air conditioning and praising God. They loved it. Once again, opportunity. Now, if you're sitting in here this morning, I believe that God at some point in your life, even right now, maybe in the past, has asked you to do something. He's put it on your heart. I want you to fill in the blank. Because he knows your gifts, your talents, your abilities. He gave them to you. All of what I've been telling you this morning was not for you to hear what I've been able to do, but to challenge each one of you that's sitting in this room. That if God is putting something on your heart, don't say no. And sometimes you don't know what it is. But say yes. Don't say no. Trust what he can do. You saw, you heard what Victor said when he came up here and talked for a few minutes. I know when he went on that trip, he didn't expect to see some of the things that he saw. And each one of you that's sitting in here, when you go and realize that God's putting on your heart, don't say no. Say yes to the gift of opportunity, and you'll be blessed immensely by that. And I encourage you with all my heart and all that God has been able to show us, Linda and I, that you definitely say yes. Don't, don't think of excuses why I'm too busy, I can't right now. Whatever reason that you think would, would get you a reason not to do it, I encourage you, don't even think that way. If God's putting it on your heart, please do it. Absolutely. Do it. And in the same way, I will, I will say that if you do say yes, there is a cost Involved, There will be some sacrifice. While you will be blessed immensely and be a blessing immensely, it's probably going to cost you something. I will say it's going to cost you something. You'll have to give up something one way or another. You'll surrender. Maybe you'll do a job change. Maybe you'll move. Maybe you'll have to change your schedule. Whatever it might be, there will be something that you're going to have to sacrifice or give up or surrender to be a part of what God's asking you to do. I, I've seen it in our lives. And, and one of the biggest 
sacrifices for Lynn and I over, remember it was just two years that we were supposed to go. Two years twice. <laughs> and we're still here in Hong Kong. But during that, all this time that we've been gone, I want to show you a picture, if they have that ready. Now, this is Sorry. Our son, uh, he's trying to be cool. Our daughter-in-law, and the little guy is Miles, our one-year-old grandson now. So we missed <laughs> with him. And that's what our cost has been. Birthdays, Christmas various holidays that we couldn't be there. But we don't regret it. We don't regret it. But to us, that has been a challenge for us, is to not be there. But I encourage each one of you, like I said one more time, if God's played something on your heart, no matter your age, I don't care where you are in life and your walk, if you're a student, if you're a helper, if you're a CEO, no matter where you are, God can use you. He wants to use you. Please say yes. Please follow the call and know that God will use you in some powerful ways if you do say yes. I look back and say, what if we'd have said no and never left the states and all the things that, that God has been able to, to do in our hearts and our lives has made a huge, huge difference. Sometimes I've looked back, even at sacrifice, and went, what if we'd have said no? And I'm glad that we said yes. And I encourage each one of you to say yes. I thank you for the chance to talk this morning, uh, to share this little bit of testimony with you. I hope that God encourages you through it, that if he's laying something on your heart, that you, like I said, would say yes.